I'm Sarah Tasker. I'm Jen Carrington. And this is Letters from a Hopeful Creative. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jen. How's it going? I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm awesome, thank you. I'm excited for today's episode. Me too. We're getting to the point where it's like, we've got so many questions we want to dive into that it feels like we're choosing between like our children, which which one to answer. <laughs> which one to save from the fire. Also, I've had people ask me like, can I still send questions in? And like, yes, letter submissions are open 24 seven. Like you have a question you want to send in. Because we kind of, when we sit down to record, it's very, in- we just kind of look at the questions and see which one we feel like we have the right energy for today. So please keep sending questions in because then we can just keep picking whichever one feels like the one we have the energy to dive into. Definitely. And we have, I think we mentioned this last time, some plans for maybe introducing a low-cost paid option on our Substack that might include some of those questions as well. So we have plans. And the other thing we wanted to say today, you will see it in the substack post to go with this episode because emily emily a listener from tomcat illustrations she sent us the most beautiful gift over the internet and she said she was listening to the latest episode and she drew some illustrations for us which was so lovely and i just wanted to share her work in the post to go with this episode because it was so delightfully kind of her and also it was beautiful and yeah we've she's like given us this like set of illustrations for the podcast which is so lovely so I just wanted to give a shout out to Emily and say thank you and you'll be able to see the beautiful work she made for us in today's episode notes we love you Emily thank you and also an amazing example of just outreach and being brave and sharing your work with people I love it I love that just as a marketing exercise as well. Also a perfect lure for any of you who have not been onto the Substack yet or don't even know what the heck we're talking about when we talk about Substack, click on the link, come and take a look. It is really lovely being able to talk to you guys, reading your comments and being able to reply and have that space together already feels amazing for both of us. I know I'm speaking for both of us, Jen. So do sign up to the Substack. It's free and we'd love to see you there. It feels so different to last time. The fact that like we can put an episode out and connect with you in the comments and just feel more connected to like the listeners of this show is so delightful. It makes me like really sad that we couldn't do that for all the previous episodes. I know. We used to have, actually, I'm just remembering, we used to have the hashtag, right? And we used, so we tried to do it, but Substack just makes it so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to see each other and click through onto each other's pages and stuff. It's just, it's how it's meant to work. I'm really, really glad we have that space. It is. I love it. Okay. Should I read out today's question? Yes, please. Okay. So today's question is from someone called Claire and they say, I'm so happy you two are back. I listened to your podcast a few years ago when I was dreaming about creating a business and now I'm actually starting one. So it's perfect timing for me. How amazing is that? They say, I have a chronic illness that only allows me to work about two hours a day most days, although it fluctuates often from zero to four hours. I just finished creating my website a few weeks ago, so I'm starting from scratch and I'm trying to figure out how to manage the marketing side of things because I find social media extremely draining. Realistically, I think I can dedicate one day a week to marketing without it taking too much creative time. So I'm wondering where should I focus my energy? Are there any social platforms or tools where it's possible to just show up once a week and actually connect with people? I'm a pretty extreme introvert. So anytime I try to do more than that or a little each day instead, I just can't function. I need fully uninterrupted days to get into the creative flow. I have put some time into SEO that will hopefully start working in a few months. I've also started a blog and I'm posting each one to Pinterest, but I'm just wondering if you have any other ideas. I'm not looking for overnight results. I'm definitely in the slow lane, as Jen would say. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for all that you do. This is such a good question. I feel like this touches on so many of the things I'm hearing from people a lot at the moment, even if their exact situation doesn't look exactly the same. 
I think when those of us with limitations who have to build our business around like time and energy limitations, it's actually a really interesting lens to look at business because if you had less time and you have to be very intentional with that time, you actually I think are more effective with that time. So it's the constraints like this can actually crack open even more intentional action taking, I think, in our business. So I think even if you listen to this and you don't have limitations, that means you can only work about two hours most days and you can only dedicate a few hours a week to marketing. Hopefully it can still get you thinking, oh, if I only had that much time, how would I spend it? And therefore, how does that illuminate? What is the most effective place to spend that energy and time? Definitely. That was kind of the whole premise of my 15 minute magic program, because I do think like having the limitations we have really focuses your energy. And actually, like, do you think two hours is enough in a week to market a business? I'm curious what your answer is to that. My thoughts for today's letter writer specifically is it's going to be an experiment to see if it is enough. Because at this point in my business, I mean, I have run my business at times only putting a couple of hours a week into marketing tasks. I, it had, they haven't been growth seasons, but like, like when I had a baby, all I was doing marketing wise was once a week sending out an email, like a newsletter. That's all I had capacity for when I was in the early stage of like motherhood. I wasn't doing a podcast. I wasn't doing anything else. There's other seasons where I've put more hours in than that. So I, today's letter writer is going to have to see what they can do with two hours a week or, you know, zero to four hours a week on that day. They're going to have to see what moves the needle. And then it may be that they see, yeah, this is enough to build momentum. Or it might be that like, oh, actually, because marketing has different jobs in different seasons, right? In the beginning of our business, it's often, that's the hardest stage really, because we're building an audience from scratch. We're building word of mouth from scratch. That takes a bigger push. And then when things are kind of stabilize in the marketing area arena we can then be a bit more into coasting and nurturing mode so I'm definitely in the camp of if that's the time you have used the time you have wisely I also don't want to be naive enough to think that it might not get to a point where it's like oh I need to compromise and add in an extra half of one day another week to do some other marketing tests if that's what the business needs but I think starting with Claire's desires and goals is the most important thing what do you think yeah I agree and I think it's interesting that she recognizes that some of the barrier to the marketing is actually like her own response to social media that she finds it draining that she's an introvert and that maybe it's not entirely just like a physical limitation right so maybe she could do more time take a little bit more time from her creative time if it felt different because sometimes once you get started and you get some momentum and you find the parts of marketing that actually light you up it becomes much more energizing to do it because you're enjoying the connection and it's fun so starting with two hours and seeing I I was thinking when you described times when you did less marketing, there have been long periods in my business, especially over the last few years when I've been really poorly, where I haven't done any marketing for weeks on end. And how has my business survived? For me, it's because I've been able to rely on past marketing that's evergreen. So things like my podcast, SEO, definitely. My book is out there. So people are constantly still finding me through that. So it's all those things that if you put the work in, they can kind of become kind of self-sustaining. And so I guess there's kind of a strategy piece here as well of like, if you only have two hours, how do you invest it so that it builds momentum within itself rather than just say like spend two hours pinning things on Pinterest, because that's probably not going to be sending you traffic two, three years from now. Yeah. Well, I was really thinking with today's letter writer is 
I think marketing, especially it's very seasonal in business and our marketing priorities are different depending on the season we're in. If we're starting from zero, because once you get to a certain level of audience growth and engagement, then it starts to grow itself for you because you'll have content kind of working for you in the background. You'll have audience who are sharing your work with different people. Yeah. Word of mouth. It gets to its own. Like for me, the seasons where I've not had as much energy to pour into a podcast or pour into like more public facing content, my word of mouth has maintained my business for me that wouldn't have been true in year one or even year two. Like it's different seed, like depending on the letter writer, anyone could ask this, anyone could ask, I only have a short amount of time to pour into marketing a week, but depending on where your business is at in this moment will define what to prioritize them within that time. Yeah, definitely. Like at, like at this point where, you know, Claire is starting her business now or their business now and they only have two hours. I imagine for Claire, the biggest goal is going to be reaching their first customer base, right? Yeah, presumably she wants to start making money. So it's, it is that difference of priorities, right? Once you already have an income coming in or once you maybe have an income buffer, if you have a partner that, that's keeping the income coming in, you might be able to afford to play the long game a little bit more with your marketing versus it being a little bit more urgent really focusing on becoming profitable immediately. I do think becoming profitable as quickly as possible is a really good goal anyway, though, for all business owners, because until you actually test it and ask people and make money, you don't know if your ideas have legs. It really kind of gives you momentum and gives you gives you a strong foundation for where you're headed. So you're Claire, you're in her business. What are you going to do today for your marketing for two hours, Jen? Well, I would want to identify what my business needs to reach my initial goals. So I'm projecting some things onto Claire here because we haven't got the answer to this question, but let's assume that, because I Claire has not actually clarified here what they sell or what their business is. They talk a lot about needing creative time. So my assumption is there's some, I'm going to assume here, Claire, that you're an artist in some capacity because you talk yes. about creative time. So I'm going to assume that you're an artist or a maker. Forgive me if not. I think she's a ceramicist. That's the vibe okay. I'm getting. <laughs> okay, so... And that makes a lot of sense because for makers, you only have a business if you're making products and have products to sell. So I would identify at this point, what is the biggest marketing goal of this moment? And for a startup product business, ultimately it's getting eyes on the product, right? It's building brand recognition. It's building brand awareness. It's building an email list. It's building a, a following. It's getting people to see your products and to see that you exist. In most businesses, all roads lead back to the email list, right? Yes. And for I think for a lot of makers and a lot of artists, all, all roads often lead back to the email list and then perhaps also the social media channels if that's where they're kind of. But Claire makes very clear here that the social media is extremely draining for them. So if we're saying, okay, the goal is to get out in front of an initial customer base, then I would be reverse engineering. How am I going to get out in front of them? So where my ideal customers and clients, where are they currently paying attention? How can I infiltrate that attention? That's always how I think of marketing, because if we stand on an island unto ourselves and expect people to find us, it's just not going to happen like that. So if I was Claire, I would think, who are the people I want to introduce my work to and how can I introduce it to them? So Claire says they're building SEO and they're pinning blog posts to Pinterest. That's great. That's going to build long-term seeds for people to come back to their website and discover their work. I would, I would probably, if I was Claire right now, make a bit of a customer profile of where are they paying attention to the 
in terms of the interest in what I do and how can I get out in front of them? And depending on the, so like for some business, like for me, for example, in the very early year of my business, the thing that moved the needle really well was my podcast, Make It Happen, because I would interview other people whose audience was adjacent to the type of audience I wanted to build for myself. They would share that episode with their audience. And therefore I had this great piece of content for my audience, but it would introduce my work to new people that guest sharing it to their audience if that makes sense absolutely other good things to do is I built a blog and and back in those days blogging was a lot different it was a lot more community driven kind of what Substack is becoming now I did podcast interviews myself I showed up on Instagram like I knew where my ideal audience my ideal client was so I got out in front of them so I think the most important thing for Claire here is to identify who is her ideal audience and where are they already paying attention and how can they get out in front of them because if you're a a maker for example if you're a if you're a maker if you're an artist where are your ideal clients hanging out and paying attention and that might look like direct to consumer stuff like getting out where they're already paying attention is it also building relationships with stockists perhaps what do you think Sarah yeah because I've now created a whole product line for Claire in my head as a ceramicist (laughs) it's imaginary ceramic ceramic line Claire if you don't have a ceramic line it's gorgeous you should definitely make it I think still going to be Instagram right and that's that might surprise some people because I know a lot of people I'm talking to at the moment feel like Instagram is done, it is dead. But I am still also speaking to people whose businesses are booming on Instagram, who have started very recently and it is still entirely possible. If you've got a visual product, I don't know anywhere right now that can compete with Instagram for getting in front of people. And how you do that is kind of just a question of finding the right combination of content. It's an entirely learnable skill and it doesn't have to be draining because if you see it as a creative enterprise, it can actually be kind of fun. So I would be getting my ceramics onto Instagram with exactly as you said, a mind to getting them onto an email list. So I would create some sort of lead magnet from Instagram that was super, super tempting for my people. Maybe let me think if it was a ceramicist, I would do, like, let's say her ceramics are very beautiful pastel colours and all handmade. I would do something where you sign up and you get, like, beautiful phone wallpapers that may be inspired by the clay colours she used or... I don't know, can you think of a good lead magnet for this? Yeah, I always think for... Because in my head, I'm like... Like we could give so many different examples. So if, so if Claire's a ceramicist, even, like, some styling tips for how to use ceramics in your home. Yeah, like, yeah. And then say, let's make Claire a different, if Claire was like an art teacher and Claire sells like art classes, like online art, maybe, maybe Claire is a ceramicist, but Claire actually teaches you how to do your own ceramics at home. Then that lead magnet would probably be like how to build your basic ceramic kit. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. How to buy this cheap kids clay on Amazon, but make this beautiful bowl. Exactly. Also, I want to go back to what you said about Instagram, because I don't think Instagram is dead. It's evolved. And I think it's really short sighted for all of us to be like, Instagram's dead. No one's engaging on Instagram. We're all saying that while also logging into Instagram every day. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not me saying that you should, like, I've had many, many years in my business where I've not even posted on Instagram. Many, many, and many years where I've just casually posted on it. I'm not saying like, you have to use Instagram. Anyone who knows me knows that that's not what I'd say. But what I'm saying on the other hand is I do agree with Sarah. There is also no platform like Instagram for sharing visual content and for sharing just kind of behind the scenes, like in the moment stuff. And I think it's important to have, Instagram is not dead. It's just evolved as a platform. And just because it isn't what it once was at like the height of the growth potential on there, 
doesn't mean that there's not still ways I'm having more fun on Instagram at the moment than I've had in years in as like as like of someone using it and I think it's just if we let go of this myth of what it should be then we get to say like oh it's just evolved so how do I use it now in its current state does that make sense absolutely it's a tool that you want to be able to pick up and use how you need and then put back down and okay it's a different tool to the one that it used to be but it's is it still useful to you for most people I would say it absolutely is and the answer to kind of doing it without it becoming draining, without it becoming overwhelming is to see it, I think, as the creative enterprise of like, what do I want to put out into the world? What might excite people? What might tempt people? What might absorb people? And then where do I want to take them? So taking them back to that email list. And then the email list is kind of an interesting one because I would say perhaps if she's already blogging, maybe Substack? What do you think? Am I am I just on such a Substack kick that I want everybody to be on there right now? <laughs> I would, as someone who's recently started a Substack account, I would never not also have my own email list because my email list is more than just my email list. It's how I segment people out. It's how I send like particular sales emails to particular people. You get GDPR permission to market to them. It's how I build wait lists. It's how I manage my courses because that's how I get like, for me, I think Substack is more of a, a content tool and it's more of a it's for me like Substack is a business model unto itself for creators whereas our newsletter is pure ultimately like marketing like we use it to but I so if someone doesn't have an email list and doesn't have a Substack I think start your email list if you've only got so much energy I think getting you but starting your email list just looks like choosing an email list platform setting up a sign up link choosing a cadence of publishing it can you can send out a monthly quarterly email it doesn't have to be weekly and having some form of invitation to the email list if you are like I don't have energy to have an opt-in right now you can still put up a sign up form on your website to your email list like you don't have to and you don't have to be sending anything out even it can just be like hey when I eventually get around to it exactly whereas Substack fulfills like an adjacent job in my mind anyway I think it it fulfills an adjacent job yeah I guess what I'm thinking is what if she had an opt-in box that was like hey do you want my emails tick the ones you want you can have my newsletter and or my Substack put your email in one place and like you can sign up to both in one and then because she was speaking about where can she show up once a week and have people listen and maybe have a bit of a community and for that part of it I do feel like Substack might scratch the itch more than anywhere else especially if like let's assume that Claire is a maker it could be like the Substack is where they share like behind the maker process so like subject is where like this is what I'm creating this week and this is what's inspiring me and this is what like an artist's life type thing and then the yeah, newsletter and even like you know this is what I have for breakfast if she wants like here's the recipe exactly yeah and then whereas the newsletter could be more like once a month they like say like here's what's on for sale this month and here's what's available yeah. or here's what I'm working on it's there's no rules really whatsoever I think I think at this stage where Claire is, I think it's keeping it really simple. Right now, Claire is starting from scratch with their business. So the initial thing is like their initial audience. Like they're just building their initial audience of potential customers, depending on what you sell, Claire. And then, and that doesn't have to be building a thousand people on your email. It's like, you're going to feel great when you've got 50 people and then a hundred people at the first 10 people. Like it's seeing this in stages of like, first thing is building out the inf- the basic marketing in- infrastructure to be building an audience that you can sell to. 
And then once you stabilize that, then you can go into what I'm thinking of calling like the play zone. <laughs> like the, like, okay, I've got my Instagram is set up and my newsletter is set up. And then it's like, yeah. okay. And then I'm also going to play and maybe have a sub stack and maybe do a podcast or like whatever. Like a lot of this is adding extra hours onto Claire's week now. <laughs> so it's, it's right now, if you only have two hours a week, right now at the very start of your business journey, there's two main jobs that really, and I think the two main jobs are making it easy for audience growth, but also I think marketing is also a playground of discovering your voice and your message and your style. Like I actually think in the very early days of your business, if you're not currently taking up space publicly with your work, you can't expect yourself day one to have the perfect marketing messaging. Like it's also a little bit of a playground to be like, do I like this type of imagery or do I like this type of written content or do I like... Yeah, and also like, does this resonate? Is this a topic people respond to or not? And sometimes that can surprise you. That I think can be the tricky part of starting on Instagram now when it feels a bit like crickets, when it can take a little bit longer to start getting any feedback at all. And I guess that's why my brain is sort of tugging a little bit for Claire in the direction of Substack because I think she may be able to get responses there a little bit more. For me, the biggest, the single biggest predictor of how well someone is going to do in their online marketing is how much they enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Nothing else actually matters as much as how much you enjoy it if you love Instagram you're going to be on there all the time you're going to be scrolling you're going to be commenting and it's going to grow if you hate Instagram you could work on that mindset for sure but for the whole time you hate Instagram it's not going to be the thing that moves the needle for your business it's just not so I think Claire needs to find where she thrives creating does she love taking photos does she love making videos because it could be youtube right she could love Mm -hmm. i mean two hours is not a lot for making video but you know do you love writing what is your natural medium and then where can you share that where you'll get a little bit of community feedback so that you can start to hone that marketing voice and and it feels immediately received not even necessarily like validated just received you know it's being seen And one thing I do spot a lot with my clients is this whole idea of this pathway, right? So I'm making an Instagram with the idea of getting them on my email list. A lot of people, we start with that first step of the pathway and then we stop there and they don't have an email list. There's no process for moving people from Instagram to the list. And the Instagram can be huge and busy and active, but we've not extended the path. So we're like leading people down this path and then just abandoning them halfway through in the middle of the field. So sometimes I I even suggest starting, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, Jen, but sometimes I suggest starting at the end of the path. Like this is where I'm taking them to. This is the email list. This is the welcome sequence they'll get when they're on my email list. And then I'm going to go and start bringing people over because otherwise it's kind of like inviting everyone to your house party and then being like, shit, I better build a house. <laughs> yeah, it's like I literally was thinking you got to get your house in order first. And I was like, I have this mantra of like, we have to show up as if we're already where we want to be. And I think taking the time to, like we said, like build it out, set up the email list, have some form of sim. And the welcome sequence doesn't have to be like fancy or any. All you have to think is when someone joins my email list, I have this one moment in time to delight them, to solidify a potential customer relationship with this person. Just you have this one email that can delight them or multiple emails if you're having some form of sequence so that I stay in their mind as someone who is just delightful for them so whether that's a freebie or a discount code or it's a behind the scenes like the the, The video 
Exactly. You're just talking to them. Yeah. And it's just setting that up then allows you to go and play on the other side of things. Because what's, for example, Claire is pouring into SEO right now and they're posting to Pinterest. When that action starts bringing traffic back to your website, do you have a customer journey for them to go on from that moment in time? So I, I do this with every client and everyone in my group program is like, you've got to map out the customer journey before you can build out the customer journey. Because if you only have most of us, most of us, when we're having marketing struggles, it's because there's a piece of the customer journey that's missing. So I break it yeah. down to there's discovery, there's someone then dives deeper into our work, there's nurturing and then there's putting our lights on. So someone has to discover us and find out that we exist. They then have to dive deeper into what we do and the more we facilitated what that looks like. So if someone just stumbles across you on Instagram or your website and they're not exactly sure why do they want me to go next? But if you've got like a, hey, join my email list and then get this freebie and like you're holding their hand through it and then nurture is they've opted into your world. They've followed you on Instagram or they've subscribed to you on, on your newsletter. You're continuing to then create things that kind of delights them and nurtures them and shows them how awesome your work is. And then you consistently put your lights on to sell them. And most of us, if we're having troubles with our marketing, something's missing. And I've seen people who are selling so well, but they've not done enough discovery work to get people into that customer journey. Or some people are great at bringing people in and they're great at selling, but they're not great at nurturing that audience. So they're just, people haven't spent enough time of depth in that customer relationship to buy. So I think anyone listening to this, wherever you are in your business journey, if your marketing isn't working for you in the way you want it to, analyze your current marketing efforts to think what from that customer journey is missing and then that's on what can be strengthened and that if you only have two or three or four hours a week to work on marketing that's going to illuminate what to prioritize in the season to get your marketing working in the way you want it to that's what I walk myself through every time I'm thinking oh things aren't flowing as much now what's missing in the puzzle piece there is it that you're not selling enough is it that you're not nurturing is it that you're not finding enough people there's nothing, I can't think of anything outside of those four things that are as relevant to making a marketing work best for us. What do you think? Absolutely. I completely agree. And actually, once you have that pathway nailed and it's working and you can see like, oh, they've signed up and then three months later or whatever they were ready to buy, like it's worked. That's when I think if you want to, playing around with paid ads can come into it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people will say, oh, how do I get in front of new people? It's, it's just not working. I still believe it's completely possible organically. My clients are getting it organically, but I understand it's hard and sometimes it's quite labor intensive. So if you have like a, a pathway that you know is meeting your customers' needs and it's delighting people and it's giving people what they need, are you willing, let's say that you make a £200 sale at the end of that pathway, are you willing to spend £200 getting a customer to break even? Are you willing to spend £200 getting two customers? Like, what is your, what could your investment be that would convert to sales in your business and having them on your list? Because maybe if they make a small sale to start with, but then you're able to make bigger sales to them. So that's the point where I sort of can see the point of introducing paid marketing. But what, again, a lot of people will do is think, I'm not making sales, let me put some money behind it, let me boost a post or let me make a Facebook ad. But that pathway is not there. So all you can do is take a cold traffic person to a product. And we know statistically, like that's one of the hardest ways to sell because they don't have that relationship with you. They don't have that like, no trust, all those things that make a big difference in the sale. Yeah. Growth is always paid for in money or energy. Like if someone listens to this and they're going, okay, but I don't have any budget right now to do that. Then then the alternative is it's an energetic exchange, whether that's outreach, like direct outreach or whether that's taking like any form of like 
pitching to be on podcasts or pitching for collaborations, like the energetic yeah. stuff that it would take. We're paying for it. And also I really want to recognize here to Claire, like Claire says that they have a chronic illness and they have limited energy and time. And I know because you and I both have a chronic illness, a lot of the people who have found our work is, is similar. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, yeah, but if I've got to pay with my time or I've got to pay with my money, but I have not great access to money right now because I'm chronically ill and society is not set up to protect. Mm -hmm. And if you're also thinking I don't have energy and it feels harder for you, I just want to acknowledge in this moment that it actually is. Like it actually, if you, if someone has resources, whether that's energy, money, it does make getting a business off the ground easier. And I don't say mm. that to make you feel disheartened. I say that because we're right there too. And if, and I, and you know, Claire used a terminology that I use a lot in my business called the slow lane and kind of a lot of us, whether for personal choice or for personal need, choose a slower path. We have to take a slower road because if you've only got two hours a week to pour into your marketing, that means that it is going to be slower for you. But it doesn't mean you're not going to get to where you want to get to. It just means that you can't measure yourself against the pace of someone with more resources of time and energy and money than you might have. But I do just want to recognize that if someone's listening to this and thinking, how the hell am I going to grow a business with limited resources? You have to do it one tiny bite at a time. Also, I'm going to put in the show notes, I've got this free resource called the Simple and Spacious Deep Dive Kit. And I walk you through like the my entire process of building a Simple and Spacious business. But part two of that resource actually breaks down the customer journey and how like my whole approach to marketing and it's a completely free resource so I will put that in the show notes to this because if someone's listening to this and thinking okay I really want my hand holding with that I have a free resource for you that can hopefully support you with that but I also just want to acknowledge that if you're showing up to this with like like Claire with with a chronic illness with less energy and time it's so it is harder for you and it's going to take you more time and that's okay it's just you have to not compare yourself to people with different energy and time than you yes I mean it's really fucking unfair and we're allowed to say that we're allowed to have a moment where we're like oh yeah this isn't actually fair but unfortunately that is also the situation for so many things in the world so have our moment of kind of it's not fair and then be like okay well how do I work with what I do have yeah. dropping the expectations and just just being in, in the reality of it I also always recommend to anyone with a chronic illness however that shows up for you that you look at some of the resources out there on pacing. I resisted pacing for the longest time. A lot of them are written for people either with MS or ME, but they're applicable, I think, to anyone with energy limitations, whether that's diagnosed, whether it's medical, whether it's something else. You don't need to gatekeep it. You can use it because what is really helpful is kind of auditing what all of these activities cost you in terms of spoons, in terms of mm. energy, and because not all of them are equal, right? You can spend those two hours in a way that drains you. You might be able to spend those two hours in a way that actually leaves you with a little bit left over. And it's not always going to be the same. Writing for some people is more tiring than photography. Or, you know, maybe when Claire does her creative work with her clay, or whatever it actually is, that doesn't drain her as much as being on social media for that time. So knowing that information as well really helps you plan and go, okay, like I have got two hours. Is it realistic to spend two hours writing or is that going to absolutely knack me for the rest of the week? Or you know, is two hours of writing actually going to leave me with a little bit more bounce and a little bit more freedom to go and do something else? Making the mistake of thinking that all marketing activities are experienced equally. I think I think it's a bit of a fallacy. And it's it's the fallacy that we, we learn from capitalism, right, that you show up and you work for 8.5 hours a day and your output should be this. Actually, like it's it's ebb and flow. Our focus changes, our energy levels change, and that's okay. And it's okay to shape your business around that. 
Yeah, you know, I was thinking like we kind of the very there's a certain world in the online business world where marketing's talked about like a sure science. Like if you do follow these SEO tips or if you do this these like, twelve simple steps. Yeah. Or if you follow my method for a welcome sequence, like you will reach and it's 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 bullshit because I've been doing this for longer than me and Sarah have supported thousands of people through our business. We can tell you that there is not one size fits all no. approach to this and marketing. I found over and over again that a little bit of magic happens in marketing. We show up, we lean into where our energy is, what we think is a is a really joyful way to invite people into our offerings. We we show up, we experiment, we put ourselves out there. Then we have to let a little bit of magic happen. Like when people tell me how they discovered my work, there's always, there's often a really delightful story of it. Like, oh, yes. like I stumbled across it in this really like random way, or I've been following you this. And it's just marketing is an experiment and it's something we have to be curious about. And I think, you know, even if you have, I think there's a pressure if you've got limited time a week to pour into marketing to think like, I have to use this in like the most strategic way possible. And I think that would really stifle Claire's true growth here. Whereas it's like, okay, well, I've got two to four hours a week to pour into my marketing. So I want to be intentional with that time, but also I've got to leave space for the little bit of magic to happen and to see what my energy pulls me and to see what I discover. And especially in the early stages of business, marketing is, it's like you're in relationship with your marketing. You and your marketing are discovering your business at the same time together because you don't know how you don't know how to market something that hasn't existed yet you're figuring it out together as you go and you don't have to have all the answers but leaning into what feels good and what feels fun is also where the magic happens sometimes I found definitely and I I think the really important thing to stress here is there are no wrong or right choices like it would be really tempting I think to take our answers here and be like right Jen and Sarah say you have to do these three things and it's not about that we can tell you where we would be pulled but that is as much to do with the things that feel energetically possible for us that light us up that we enjoy if you decided actually I'm going to exclusively market on Reddit I'm going to join Reddit communities and get really nerdy about it it would work for you. If you love Tumblr and decided that is like you are hanging out with those guys, you understand the slang of Tumblr, which I do not, you could make it work for you. But it's so much about where your joy is, where the magic is for you, where the fun is, where you feel drawn and driven. And that, as much as anything, is why those perfect marketing formulas that people want to sell you via Facebook ads usually don't work because you can't squeeze yourself into someone else's mold. You have to find your own business model. You have to find where your people are. You have to find what suits your voice and make your own perfect cocktail. And that's why it's fun. That's why we love this work because it's not just showing up and being another drone that churns out exactly the same thing as everybody else. And whatever platform slash platforms Claire chooses, they're all going to take time. Like there's no platform here that's going to be overnight growth. And I don't think Claire's even expecting that, but it's like whether Claire decides to pour into a podcast or Substack or a newsletter or Instagram, like they're still going to feel like they're talking to crickets for a while. Mm, (laughs) Yeah, It's it's going to be hard either way and it's going to take time either way. So you might as well go where the energy is, Matt. And I do think earlier on in a business, it's helpful to diversify it a little bit so that you've got like everything goes back to like I think anyone not building a newsletter is setting themselves up to regret that down the road because that is the best way to communicate with our audience and that's the best way to like build our email list and that's not based on like the 
algorithm of a platform. But alongside that, like Claire might be listening to this and thinking, okay, I'm going to show up on Instagram, but in a way that feels really easeful and really joyful. And then they're going to be like, and I might start a Substack as like a more long form piece of content. And then my newsletter will just be like a quarterly, like here's what's available in the shop right now kind of thing after like a welcome sequence. I guess what I'm saying is I think earlier on in our business it's a little risky to put all our eggs just in one basket Mm. while we're still figuring out what supports our business to thrive but the trick there is to also not try so many different things because Claire's got if Claire's got the SEO and the Pinterest in place with the blog that means Claire you're kind of ticking the long form growth side of things like if you've got SEO working if you're building up your SEO and you're building up Pinterest to build traffic back to your website you're taking care of that long-term people searching finding you energy so if it was me in your shoes it's probably more of a in the moment behind the scenes nurturing tool now to add into the mix as a bit more community driven what do you think like so whether that's an Instagram or a Substack, something that's a little more in the moment a little more candid because SEO content is evergreen right whereas an Instagram or a Substack allows you to share a bit more of the human side of things and a little more kind of I guess it's like a slow burn growth is the Pinterest stuff and the SEO whereas this is more of like a fast burn but then it burns out much faster right so an Instagram post doesn't last as long so where do you want to kind of have the fast burn stuff and how do you want that to look and then I think whatever formula whatever combination you choose there's a really important factor of not reviewing it too soon like set yourself it's going to be three months and then I'll look at the data it's going to be six months and I'll look at the data because if you are feeling disheartened because your third post still hasn't gone viral and broken the internet which like we'll all laugh and, and know that that's ridiculous but there is a part of us there really is a part of us that's like I failed nobody's read my third post you have to have clear expectations that actually after three months I will decide if this has been worth the energy and the time before that I do not have enough data to to assess it I cannot get a clear picture yeah completely and I think it's also important that one of those measurements has to be how it feels for you too Claire like you're measuring the growth over that period of time but also how did it feel for you did you have fun like did was it enjoyable for you because I've not done things in my business I've stopped doing things that were quote-unquote working but weren't working for me anymore and I do think there's a privilege of audience growth that allows you like like I said we would answer this question differently to people at different stages in the business and I wonder Sarah if if before we end this episode we should say like we should pick like four or five different stages of business and just give our like specific encouragement for the listeners if they're at those different places and only have a short amount of time to pour into marketing. But I do think for Claire at this very early stage, I think, yeah, it's like you can't, you 100% can't measure things on like a weekly, monthly basis, but also how it feels for you. Because at the start of a business journey, we're discovering who we are as a business owner and our marketing, I think is a big piece of that. I have found my voice and my perspective through marketing through marketing experiments and through understanding who I am in my work and so I think Claire also gets to pay attention to do I enjoy this do I not if if, say for example Claire starts to get some amazing momentum on Instagram but they hate it like you literally hate it it destroys your soul that's a sign of like okay well I know I can build an audience here but I'm going to pull them over to Substack because that's more fulfilling to me if that makes sense definitely and like what have I learned from this that I can use elsewhere that will feel good And then also balancing that with, I guess this is the thing about setting yourself a review period, that probably anything new is going to feel, it's going to have an element of discomfort at first. Anything that puts us out of our comfort zone, anything that requires us to try in public and possibly fail in public, there is no way of avoiding an element of discomfort in doing that work. So not going, well, that felt bad, that means it's wrong. Because 
there's it feels bad because I'm growing and I'm moving into a new space and I'm pushing myself to try new things versus it just feels like it's not in alignment with me and you kind of have to be on your on to yourself to know the difference right like our brain's very good at going it's that it's that one yeah it means it's not right for me I don't have to try anymore and I definitely have clients who who know that they struggle with that with kind of moving on to the next thing not because the current thing is wrong but because the other thing looks greener over the fence it looks like it's going to be easier until you get there and you realize the discomfort came too and also it's never harder than when it is at the beginning like right now you and I can try different marketing experiments and we know that there's an audience to come along for the journey with us like it's never as hard as when it is at the beginning when it's no one's paying attention it's the hardest stage of this and and I say that to hopefully help you feel less alone in thinking if it feels like crickets but I once you build up your first baseline of an audience it does then start to grow itself from there it's just the first even just your first 100 email subscribers like once you get to that point where there's like it grows and it grows and it grows and it's your willingness to stay in the game and to show up when no one's paying attention is what gets us to the place where then we have momentum it's it's the courage to yes. sit in that place and I don't know if you think what you think about this Sarah I think a lot of audience growth comes down to like intentional action taking like the SEO and the Pinterest and the showing up in spaces but also for many people I've seen a little bit of magic you have to put yourself in the way of a little bit of magic happening yes yeah so someone shares your work or you get interviewed on a podcast or you connect with someone or something go, does go a bit like you have to put yourself in the way of and I'm not like a big woo-woo person I don't really like know much about manifest I, I'm not really talking from that lens because that's not something I know much about but I do see time and time again that at some like for me for example you were my first client Sarah my first ever client <laughs> and we worked together and you gave me an amazing testimonial and because you had a bigger audience than me and you shared about me, a little bit of magic happened where that introduced more people to my work. And even before that, when I was building an audience, you know, I would create blog posts and some of them would get like a lot of traffic or be shared a lot. And like, I couldn't have predicted that, but I had to put myself in the way of a little bit of magic happening. And so I say that to Claire and say to anyone listening, like building an audience from scratch is hard and we have to show up and we have to try and we have to experiment and we have to be willing to like give it a hundred percent but most times I also find we also have to put ourselves in the way of a little bit of magic happening too what do you think definitely like it's the posts where you pour your heart out and you feel a little bit nervous about pressing send that suddenly explode and make everything happen or it's the the chance you took six months ago that you thought didn't pay off that suddenly comes back around and you realize actually the one person you needed to hear it did like it's impossible to predict and you can't know when you're doing it whether it's going to do that or not, whether the magic is going to be happening or not. So you kind of have to trust, you have to have a bit of faith and that open experimentation of, well, maybe this is it. Maybe today is the day where I reply to a tweet and everything changes. Maybe today is the day where I post the Instagram post that my future publisher sees. Like, who knows what's going to happen? So it's trusting the universe, not in a woo-woo way, because that's not my jam, but like trusting the universe that like everything is possible. Everything is out there and... It only becomes possible if we participate in it, right? It's definitely not going to happen if you don't post. It's definitely not going to happen if you don't build an email list. It might happen if you do. So worth giving it a try. It comes down to faith. Like I'm not a religious person, but like faith is the belief in things that cannot be seen, right? And I think that is business. Starting a business is one of the biggest leaps of faith you'll ever make because it's faith in the belief that something is possible for you that hasn't been made possible yet. And it's, you know, if you only have a couple of that and 
if you only have a couple of hours a week to pour into your marketing, then show up to that energy, that space with, with belief and with curiosity, because if you, for the next three months, show up for the things that you're curious about, especially with the SEO and the Pinterest, you're going to start to see what moving the needle. If you're showing up on Instagram or Substack or some form of more community driven platform, you're going to see growth. You're going to, even if it's tiny growth, like you're going to start to see what is possible. And you've got to have a little bit of blind faith as well. You do. We have to be a little bit deluded, a little bit. I just wrote about this on my Substack actually. It's called You Are Not Like Elon Musk and writing about how the tension that that exists because so many of the people in this world, like the creatives, the women, the people that we speak to most often, come at this with really low self-belief. A lot of us have got like cripplingly low self-esteem, maybe because of things that have happened to us in the workplace or childhood or whatever else. And there's this tiny spark inside of us that's like, maybe, I think maybe I could do this. And for some reason, we're frightened that we're deluded about that. We think that's the bit we might be wrong about, not the whole big other piece that's telling us that we're worthless and we're terrible and that everyone hates us. We're like that. I'm sure about that. But this this thing that thinks that I might have a little bit of worth in the world, maybe I'm wrong. And it's normally the other way around. And it's okay to believe in yourself. You're allowed to believe in yourself. It doesn't make you that person on the X Factor who thinks they're a really good singer and isn't listening to the feedback that's not what's happening you have to show up with belief that it could happen for you because otherwise you wouldn't show up at all and I actually think like this is why some of this work is so powerful of building a business of being seen online of doing this marketing work because it's kind of you showing up and standing up for yourself and saying what I say matters to somebody. What I think matters, what I make matters. Not to everybody. I'm not saying it's like I'm changing the world, but I'm saying it has worth and I'm going to stand behind it and believe in that worth. And for a lot of us, that's like the first time we've ever really done that. Yeah, completely. And it's, you know, I'm reflecting like every big growth in my business, anything that's led to business growth in my business that's got me to where I am today has been the intersection of two things of me intentionally showing up and taking action and then staying and having the courage and belief to do that and then staying open to the energy of whatever's going to happen on the other side of it. And because I think the worst thing anyone can do when trying to choose how to spend their marketing hours is to think I have to choose the thing that was guaranteed to give me a result. Nothing is guaranteed. To, I don't care Mm-mm. anyone selling their marketing five step. Nothing is guaranteed to give you a result, but doing nothing is guaranteed. The only thing that guarantees is giving you a result is doing nothing <laughs> or yes. not following through on what you're doing. And I think yeah, I I wish it, I wish it could be neater and tidier than this, but I think with marketing, it's like choose your experiments wisely, choose where to put your energy intentionally, and then stay open to what it's going to teach you and what it's going to show you. And I think also just on like with Claire, a lot of Claire's questions is like, how do they honor the time they have available, and how do they honor the fact that they're introverted and they don't want to be like on drained on social media and, and that might again be a really good sign that, that Substack is a good place social media to me I often think is the connection point between all my other content like yeah Instagram can be like little snippets of things I'm doing and little like behind the scenes but it's also a place that I can pull threads from Substack it's I can pull threads from the podcast or my newsletter like it's it's the con- it's the meeting point of all the things my newsletter can also do that job as well but obviously the newsletter needs to be discoverable and also for Claire you may find that SEO and Pinterest does all your disc- I know people with biz- many many people with businesses where their SEO and their Pinterest strategy brings in all the discovery for them yes it takes a little bit of time but it could do 
that. You could have a situation where SEO and Pinterest bring in all the discovery you need, depending on if you have mm. a very searchable topic of your business. And that's going to build your email list and build your website traffic. And then all you do need is just a substack to just engage deeper with the people already paying attention. So it, depending on your business model here and the type of work that you do, SEO and Pinterest may completely do all that work for you. Instagram's just an option if you want to have another place of discovery and connection point. So this is going to be very dependent on your business model and the role SEO and Pinterest can play. And that's just going to take, like for you, for, for right now, for example, Claire, if you're like, I've only got two hours a week and with your type of market and your type of industry, you know that SEO and Pinterest, like is, if you can come up high in Google searches, if you can, if you know that Pinterest, if you're a food blogger, for example, that's a, get yourself on Pinterest, like mm. that's where you're meant to be. That might do all the work for you. And this is going to be totally dependent on your type of audience. So you might be like, you know what, I'm going to spend majority of my marketing hours getting the SEO and Pinterest in place. But for right now, like Sarah was saying earlier, have you got the end of the line in place? Have you got the newsletter set up and the welcome sequence and all that good stuff? That might be enough for you. Or if you're like, actually SEO and Pinterest are going to work, but they're probably not going to do everything I need them to do then that might be signed to, do I get on a social channel? Do I get on Substack? Do I pitch to be on different places? Like it's being, you have to understand, this is why no marketing advice is one size fits all because you have to look at marketing advice through the lens of understanding the industry that you're in and understanding your ideal client base. So that is also something I would think about in terms of how to prioritize the hours you have. I've, I've worked with many clients who've built an entire business on SEO and Pinterest growth. And really then what it really comes down to is then actually tightening up the the customer journey of the nurture and the putting the lights yeah. on. Yeah. Whereas Claire, if you're a maker, if you're an artist, like Sarah was saying earlier, that, that Instagram is a wonderful playground because you can share more behind the scenes and in the moment of your artistry this is going to really depend on what your marketplace is it's almost like long term be driven by the data or might even you know medium term be driven by the data and let that guide your strategy but and on a daily basis just showing up as a success yes because you don't want to get into the minutiae of like well this email had two unsubscribers and that one had none because that is guaranteed to kind of take you in a downward spiral so saying to yourself right at this early stage of my business as long as I've tried something from my list of things I wanted to try I've moved forwards I've made a success and then looking at the data and saying okay what of all these things I have now tried made the most impact felt the best for me you know worked best for my business my energy and all of my variables and then making a new list based on that and then setting yourself okay three months of trying this where all I have to do on a daily basis is show up and then I'll let the data make my next strategy for me and it's really important to keep that difference in your head I think especially when you're new because it's so easy to get disheartened if you don't get immediate results however much we go into it knowing realistically we won't it's still very easy to get pulled down into that but also the answer is not to close your eyes to the data and the results because that is the thing that's going to make you a really good marketer for your business completely completely and I also think a big belief Claire has to hold on to here is that two hours a week is enough if you believe yeah. the, if you tell yourself it's not enough so what's the point that's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy if all you have is two to four hours a week to pour into your marketing that is the time you have make you will make magic happen in that time 
yes, it might take you a little longer than someone who's got 20 hours a week to pour into their marketing, but they're not dealing with the circumstances you're dealing with. You are honoring yourself by being really clear on the time you have. Two to four hours a week is better than zero hours a week. And two to four hours a week spent intentionally with curiosity is better than two to four hours a week spent trying to control the uncontrollable as well. So I'd say two to four hours a week spent intentionally is probably better than like two days a week spent unintentionally I know those people some of you will be listening thinking that might be me like you know you can lose a day to Pinterest and have achieved nothing completely I think the ultimate the ultimate question I think of Claire in this episode is like is it enough time to build my business and and where should I put my attention it's like it's enough time because you choose for it to be enough like why we can only build and run businesses that honor our humanity by not expecting ourselves to fit into someone else's rules of what it should look like to do so like most of us are not working with perfect circumstances we have chronic illnesses we have children to raise we have other creative endeavors that we're making space for in our life we don't live in most of us are not living in minds and bodies that can stay up to date with the 40 hour work week that's been asked of us it's ridiculous (laughs) like we we have to find our own ways to make the business growth possible that we desire and so that the question of is it enough time it's enough time because it's the time you have and hopefully we've explored some things in this episode for you to consider. I'd actually, Claire, if you're really comfortable, I'd really encourage, I'd really love to get a little bit more detail about your business. Yeah, I want to see your ceramics. (laughs) (laughs) These ceramics, like I think if Claire, if you want to come into the Substack post for this episode and share with us a what you thought of our answers and b like the actual specifics of your business we may hopefully be able to reply to your comment and be like okay if i knew this exact thing this is what i would encourage you also i am sure that everyone listening who remembers what it's like to be new and to be trying to get your first hundred followers would be more than happy to come and support you and follow you and cheer along so if it feels comfortable claire absolutely come and do that and we'll all be holding your hand but also we get it if it feels too scary yeah you do whatever feels comfortable to you sorry i thought before we wrapped up do you want to just talk through like i'm thinking for people listening to this who are at different stage to claire in their business like if we think of the different seasons of our business if we only had two to four hours a week how we would spend it on marketing just for like people like so for example we've kind of talked about what we, like if we if when if you were a beginner well let me let me write down these points so we don't forget so we've kind of got beginner and then we've got like okay we've done beginner though right yeah we kind yeah basically if you're a beginner it's all about getting the first traffic and eyes onto your thing so then it's kind of like the other seasons are when you've like a little bit established but you're trying to really stabilize so you've got an audience but you're not perhaps like fully booked out or stabilizing your income mm-hmm. yet what would you so you've got an audience but it's not your business isn't like fully thriving in the way you want it to what would you prioritize then if you only had two to four hours a week Oh, it's so difficult because the first thing I'd look at is how did I get those existing customers? Like what had yeah. their pathway been and what had worked for them? And then I'd try and lean into it more. And and also like my own preferences. So I'd probably go podcast, but it depends on the business, right? If you're a ceramicist or an artist, a podcast, it can be a little bit more difficult because your product's so visual. Mm. But you could do a video podcast where you interview people, or maybe I would do something really community driven, like a weekly Instagram live that's like, uh, painting hour where they can just come and we all paint together or writing hour or whatever where it's an invitation to come and be in a space with me it's like that value ahead of time really delighting the people who are engaging with me for free so that they can see what they will get from me when they pay 
Yeah. What about you? That's what made, that's what made, when I think back to that season where I had an audience and I had some clients and I was making some money, but I really wanted to like get to my enough number. And like, that was when visibility and showing up and like really giving value made such a difference. So for me back then, when I think back to that season, it was my podcast made the biggest difference and it was less, like I was still blogging, but it was more, it was more about like doing like free workshops or like collaborations was a massive one for me in the earlier years of really being able to reach more people freebies for my email list like creating free resources once you've got people paying attention it's like how can I delight them so much that one of two things will happen either they'll buy from me or they'll share my work with their audience or with the people they care about so it's kind of that's a season where if you've pouring your energy into like delighting and nurturing the people who are already paying attention because that nurtures your relationship with them and kickstarts other growth as well but I think collaborations made a big difference for me in the beginning like being on other people's podcasts and having people on mine and then like creating free resources and really going above and beyond in that way yeah and you have the time right because you're not fully booked out or you're exactly. not fully sold out so that is a place where there's space in your business to be like okay well how do I give the energy I'm saving for my paying clients like a bit of that to everybody and that especially if you can make that evergreen like something like a podcast or you know something that people can continue to access in future then that's going to set you in really good stead for later on in your business when you're I guess the next stage which is what sold out but looking to scale what do you think the next stage well, is? I think there's two stages I think there's the booked out burned out but still need to keep things ticking over that's one stage like kind of like yes, you're busy yes 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 you kind of in, co- and then the one after that is wanting to scale. So for the booked out, but a little bit, but like burned I'm, out. I'm good at that one. <laughs> <laughs> like for me at that stage, when I, that was just maintenance. Like for, I've had many seasons of my business when the only thing I was, the one thing I was doing consistently was my weekly newsletter. So there was a definitely quite a few years of my business where I was not actively growing my audience. I had built enough of an audience and I don't have a massive email list, a massive audience, but I'd built enough of an audience that it was enough people to keep my books fulfilled and I was nurturing them, but I wasn't doing a lot of external stuff. Like even if I'd like, when I was really burned out, I'd pause the podcast. I was literally just doing nurturing, showing up for my email list. So I think when you're in that burned out stage and you don't have any, any energy for growth apart from word of mouth or letting your old content kind of tick over behind the scenes for me my marketing hours were spent just nurturing the people paying attention because I had enough people paying attention that nurturing them alone sustained my business what about you yeah yeah and I think that's when having something set up some sort of you know welcome sequence when that pathway being as automated as possible pays off right because then you know that any people who do find you even if you're not doing that active step one of the pathway where you're finding people people who do find you can still sort of trickle through and join the pool of people you're nurturing and start to receive that and if you don't have that there comes a point right doesn't there of that burnout period where you're like I've kind of used up the pool like everyone is they've all got what they need from me now for now and I need some fresh people in the pool and that's often what brings people kind of at this burnout stage to like a bit of a crisis point where they maybe come and ask for help yeah and I like having spent time in that place myself like I've been so grateful to past me for all of the marketing she did that has sustained my business and grateful for the headspace and the breathing space that that's given me and then it's also like a really nice chance to kind of review and be like okay well well what do people need from me now like what's next and almost move back to the energy of the previous stage we just talked about where it's like, how do I delight people? But from a place of sustainability now, because 
your time is maybe more scarce you know your energy is more scarce especially if you're very booked out yeah that's where I was like I was really I've been booked out for years I had a baby like all I was doing when I came back from maternity leave was like just doing my newsletter and then last year which was a big year for me because I launched a big new group program that was kind of a year to, to kind of give the example then of what do you do when you get to a place where you want to either scale or move into a new season that's when I kind of like I came back to life in my marketing, therefore my marketing came back to life, therefore my yeah. audience came back to life. So like last year I did a lot more video content. I did like behind the scenes. I started a new podcast last year. I like was creating more freebies. Like if you have an audience and you go for a burnout season where you have less to pour into them, that audience is there for you when you're ready to wake up again in that work too. That's what I've learned. Like people who have been served by you in the past, even if you go quiet for a bit, you like oh like you you just do the bare bones for a little bit once you're ready to wake up many of them people will still come along for the journey with you and that's what I found with last year I started to pull back into like my marketing I did a lot of video content I did a lot of behind the scenes stuff I had fun with my marketing again and then that paid off because then I had these great launches of my group program so I think when you get to that stage where you're ready to either scale or enter a new season of your work you just got to breathe the kind of life back into your marketing that you want to be breathed back into your audience and often I think that's doing something I think for me I never did video content and then last year I started to do more video resources for my email list I think that and my guess is that that was something fresh to give my audience that they weren't used to from me they'd heard my voice for many many years with the podcast but they'd never really seen my face delivering video content so that woke my audience up a little bit and another example is this year for example we're coming back to this podcast right and so it's another way that we can revitalize and delight our audience because we know it's something that our people really found valuable so we knew coming back to this that it's kind of like big fresh dose of delight again because we're doing this thing that we know works we just didn't have the energy and time for it so I think when you get to that place when you're ready to move into a new season of fresh energy in your business it's both doing the things again that you know already worked and then perhaps trying some new things to add even fresh life back in because you've once you've stabilized your business you kind of have that stability to play in different ways whether that's like doing a co-hosted podcast with a friend or video content or maybe it's doing like people do that these big amazing online summits or they go on the podcast round or they write a book like there's so many different things you can do to breathe fresh life back into your audience when you want to do so what do you think yeah well and do you know for me I think it was my French house was like so not even really business related but I started all of this it was a personal Instagram it was a personal blog and the thing that kind of woke people up after my hiatus let's call it was I think like me going hey I'm, I'm buying a French house it's crazy let's do it okay and I'll share pictures along the way people were like yeah okay I'll, I'll come along with that and moving to Substack which for me you know is like again kind of coming home to this idea of blogging and writing about whatever's on my mind it feels familiar and it feels fresh at the same time and one of the things I tell people the most is that you have to follow your interests and you have to trust that where your interest is taking you will work out because you can try and force yourself to do something you don't find interesting but it's going to take so much more energy than just going okay well my business has always been about healthy eating but now I'm really into Pilates okay well I'm going to talk about Pilates and trust that this is the future of my business in some way that maybe I can't even see right now but it will all come together and I think it really you know so I started my Substack a few weeks ago and when I work on my Substack none of that is my 
business working hours. So like I'm writing my Substack post in the bath after I put my kid down for bed at night. Like I'm, for me, I'm doing this fresh fun thing, but I'm not, that's not work time for me. That's something that I'm doing when I'm just getting like a burst of inspiration and idea. And so I think there's also times in our business when we're trying new things out and we're having fun with it. And it is so fun that it doesn't even feel like work. And it's just something we're doing for fun and delight and for play and I think once you stabilize your business and once you're not in like because what happens to most people is you work really hard to stabilize your business you get your business to this thriving place then you burn out because because everything you did to build your business often this is a big part of what I do with my clients in my group program is like how do we build businesses with like sustainability at the heart of them so you avoid this burnout phase but I've worked with so many people over the years and seen for so many of my friends we finally get it to be sustainable and then we're like shit it's financially sustainable (laughs) but I'm burned out and then what happens is you heal from the burnout and then on the other side of that because you've financially stabilized your business there's room for this playful energy and that playful energy brings us back to life it brings our audience back to life I always think at this point in my business journey you know I've built an audience it's not going to disappear overnight so so there's different seasons in my business where it's just my job to revitalize my marketing like it's my job to breathe fresh life back into my audience sometimes or or surprise and delight them or remind them of the magic of my work like sometimes you've just got to wake up sometimes you're building an audience and sometimes you're waking up an audience and sometimes you're doing both and marketing is just the intersection of like intentionality and fun and creativity and because for me the marketing that gets my attention is when someone's message and point of view is really clear but also when it feels human and fun and interesting too like there's an intersection there of like deep clarity but also a little bit of magical energy too that's what gets my attention as a consumer anyway or just someone who's just so damn clear about what they do and it resonates with me so deeply that's also another thing that really works for me as a consumer the only way to show up like that is self-acceptance right you can't be trying to pretend to be someone else and trust that you will be accepted by your audience or that the wrong people will self-select and disappear because so often people go, well, I'm known for this. People like me for this. I can't go in this other direction because like, that, that, they, they only want this from me. And without even testing that theory, we kind of shut it down. People follow you for you. And I talk about this so much with Instagram, with this temptation we have to put everything in little boxes and be like, I have one account for my Pilates. I have one account for my food. I have one account for my parenting. When it could all just live together and the common denominator is you. So trust that people who are following you are not there just for the topic that you spoke about before. They are there for your view on that topic. They're there for the way you see the world. They're there for the way you present the things from your mind. And as long as it's still coming through those filters, it will still resonate with the vast majority of them. You don't have to pigeonhole yourself and stay in a box that's too small for you now. You're allowed to keep growing and expanding and changing. I know the ultimate question here from Claire is like, what do you do when you only have so much energy and time? And I think this is relevant to everyone because we all only have so much energy Mm. and And a lot of it is just, it comes back to being intentional and it comes back to marketing is not a question with a one, with only one answer. It Marketing is, is an invitation for you to answer it yourself. I only know what works for my business because I've got stuck into the messy middle and figured it out. And also what worked five years ago isn't always what works now. So I, I, I tweak and I evolve and I adapt. And so marketing is something that you have to be in the arena with figuring it out. And if you have limited energy and time, it's just being extra intentional with it. And, and just the time you've got is the time you've got 
got I think most of us are working with limited energy and time in one form or another mm. and yeah it's believing in ourselves it's, it's not believing we're a failure if we're not getting results straight away and it's being okay with experiment it's also being okay with like falling flat on our face sometimes <laughs> like it's okay if you post something on Instagram and no one cares. Like I, I just bring curiosity to that. Like if I post something on Instagram and it falls flat, I'm like, oh, okay. Like people weren't interested in this today. That's cool. Like, and then sometimes yeah. I post, sometimes I'll post something and I'm like, I didn't think anyone would care about this. And that's the one that gets the most engagement. It's, it's all, I'm always open to whatever the data is here to tell me. And I think maybe the lesson here because we've gone into so many specifics in this episode, but actually the beats underneath it are always the same. And we could look at our marketing gen, what worked five years ago and what's working for us now. And on the surface, it would be very different. It would be different specific actions on different specific platforms. But the way we're showing up, the things we're bringing, the energy that we're bringing and the purpose of what we're doing, I suspect has always been the same. And it's just a question of going, where do I slot this into the puzzle right now? But I don't have to have a new piece every time. I bring my piece and I look for the best place to put it. Yeah, it's always been about storytelling, service, a delight. Like for us, like we're guides, like we're coaches, like, like how can we illuminate fresh paths and fresh courage for people in their journey like we might be doing that for a podcast or for a substack or for a newsletter but the energy and purpose behind it is the same and it's just ultimately our jobs is just to keep up to date with the shifting landscape and and, and not being you know I try and I don't want to be industry I don't want to be trend led but I want to be trend conscious do you know what I mean like yeah yeah it's like I'm going to do it my way but I'm not going to also bury my head in the sand and not see how platforms are shifting and changing and still be on blog loving (laughs) I love that I really love this idea of you just still on blog loving going come on (laughs) I can't even remember like there must have been a day where this entire platform that I built my this is what I mean I built my audience on blog loving in the beginning and then at some point I naturally would have just shifted I imagine to my newsletter list like the big shifts we don't even remember them because they happen quite organically I find like yeah because we're pulled by interest and enthusiasm It's not choice. It's not like oh, having to push ourselves. It's just being drawn into something new. And that's the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. It feels like creativity. And we don't give ourselves enough permission for that. And the funnels and the lessons and the webinars don't give you permission for that. They make you think you need to hustle and it needs to be hard. I think it's the opposite. I think if you're in creativity, if you're in flow, if you're in joy, you're much more likely to find success. And on a very, very, very practical note, when you have, well, for anyone, really, this is relevant for, especially if you have limited energy and time, I think creating your own structure can be really helpful. And all that I mean by that is, and this is, I'm going to put it in, this is not me plugging my stuff, like I'm going to put it in the show notes because this deep dive kit really will hold your hand through this better than I could explain it to you. But I think if you could just sit down and clarify your customer journey, like this is how I'm going to make discovery possible. This is how I'm going to make people diving deeper possible. This is how I'm going to make nurturing possible. This is how I'm going to put my lights on. If you can clarify that and then clarify the content ecosystem, this is what this workbook will hold space for you to do. If you can clarify your content ecosystem for how it will facilitate that, then you have a content plan that you can then decide decide what cadence works best of your energy and time and then you have a plan so for me executing on my con- on my marketing plan I have a plan I know every week when I sit down I've already mapped out this is what I'm focusing on this week and this is what I'm doing so I'm not losing any time to decision making process because once a month or once a quarter I'm sitting in CEO mode deciding what my marketing experiments and my tasks are going to be so then on a week I'm just kind of following through and it so my other encouragement is 
actually create some structure and a plan for yourself. You're going to evolve it as you go. You're going to tweak things as you go. But if you have that structure in place and you and you can kind of be like, yeah, well, I know that right now I'm prioritizing discovery or I'm prioritizing nurturing, you're not losing time to making decisions on a weekly basis. And I do think, especially with limited time, like for me, I only work eight to 10 hours a week. So I'm very, very, I, I literally mapped out all of that time, very specifically how I'm using it, because that's how we make the most out of some short time that we have available to us. So that would be my encouragement is create some structure for yourself within the playground you want to create for yourself in your marketing. I think that's a great plan. I will never be able to do it. <laughs> I totally agree with that advice. Well, also, yes. Well, I have to acknowledge that I'm not neurodiverse. Like I don't have ADHD. So for me, creating a plan and following through on a plan makes a lot of sense to my brain. So I I know for you, Sarah, with ADHD, that does not make any sense to your brain, right? It's a prison, but I absolutely agree. And I think it's the forward thinking can still happen and does still happen, but it's the individual ability to choose within that and that, that increased flexibility so that I know where I'm headed. I always, I've climbed the tree and I've looked ahead and I know which direction we need to be going in, but the individual steps have got a little bit more flexibility because my brain prefers that so it's, yeah it's all about finding what works for you but you, the the same underscore of intentionality purpose and having a destination in mind yeah I also think it's got me thinking if anyone wants to send in a question like this I feel like we should do a, an episode in the future about how we because we run our businesses very differently in terms of a team in that yeah. Sarah has a team and I don't have a team and I think it purely comes down to the way our brains work and how we like to manage our time and what our strengths are and what like yeah like preference it comes down to preference really doesn't it preferences and needs like for me yeah and this is sorry I'm going completely off topic here but if someone wants to send the questions like this I think it would be really interesting because for me managing a team would be my worst nightmare and for you doing business without a team would be your worst nightmare so yeah and it just comes down to like how we manage our marketing is also I think it's such a good reminder that how you manage anything in your business, but if we're using marketing specifically, it also has to be managed in a way that honors your energy, but also the way that your brain problem solves, the way that your mind likes to feel organized and structured. We have to build systems for ourselves that support us too. And and forgive ourselves for the things that we can't do that maybe other people can do, like accept the reality of it and appreciate what we can do, appreciate our strengths. Yeah, we've had a very long episode today. I feel like I know. Do you remember here. when we we were like, "Well, just do twenty minute episodes. It'll be fine." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope this was helpful. Please keep sending us questions in because we are having so much fun, and it's always good to get like a diverse question so that we're not like talking about the same topics every every episode. But yeah, Claire, we are. We hope this was helpful. Please, if you want to come over to Substack and share more and how this resonated with you and what didn't resonate with you. And, and yeah, I'm sure everyone will have encouragement for you. And yeah, anyone who wants to share your thoughts, how you fit in marketing into your week, what you prioritize, that'd be so cool to know in the comments too. Definitely. And anyone who's new, anyone who's still trying to find your first hundred followers, particularly come and post and we will all come and give you a big hug or wherever you need us. Um, and Claire, could you make me a mug? Thanks. <laughs> I can see it. It's going to be so nice. Okay. I can't wait till we find out what Claire is going to be. Maybe, we'll be surpri- not, maybe, maybe Claire's like a gardener and we're like completely confused about what Claire is. But. <laughs> but yeah, we are. We're cheering you all on. It's a joy to be back here and we will be back in your feed in two weeks' time. Click on the link or Google Letters from Hopeful Creative Substack and you'll find everything there. Have an amazing yeah. week, people. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. 
You can join us at lettersfromahopefulcreative.com and on social media. So on Instagram, I'm at me and Orla. And you'll find me at Jen Carrington underscore. We are going to be sharing new episodes. So if you've liked what you've heard so far, hit subscribe in your podcast app and be sure to leave us a review because it will help other people find the show. Yeah, and we can't wait to connect with you soon. <laughs>